Choose Recovery is a lifestyle apparel brand. Spreading awareness and hope for addiction recovery. We emphasize following God, rewriting your story, never giving up, making a difference. Bringing hope and awareness from real people. This is the Choose Recovery Podcast. Hello. Hello, this is Derek. Is this uh, Jolene? Yes, it is. Hi, Derek. How are you? Good. And I, I have a friend of ours, Courtney, also with us on the Hello. line. Hello. Hi, Jolene. Hi, Courtney. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Oh, me too. I am too. How's Alaska? Oh, it's good. Cold. Well, it's not super cold. It's a little cold. Icy. Yeah, it's getting cold. Yep, yep. Well, I went, I went to Alaska. I live in North Carolina, and I went to Alaska last year on a cruise in the summer, and it was gorgeous. And I wish I had a summer home in Alaska because that would have been amazing. Yeah, a lot of people do that. There's a lot of cheap property up here that you could establish a home on, and a lot of people do that. If only. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, so um, that area, too, that you would have gone the cruise southeast uh, part of the state, super, super gorgeous down there. Uh, we're about... Oh, I don't know how many miles. It's the state's so huge. You're probably at least 800 miles from there, uh, maybe more. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, we went. It was a Disney cruise. We went through. Where did Pete go? We hey, hey guys. This oh, is sorry. Rob. This is Rob. Hey. <laughs> we started in Vancouver, then went up. We got all the way up to one of the glaciers, the Hubbard Glacier, and then it came back down. So it's just kind of on the coast. Yeah. Nice. It's yeah. Beautiful. Good memories. Gorgeous. Yeah, so um, I don't remember your name. Mention your name again if you could. That'd be awesome. Okay, um, Jolene and Rob. Rob, okay, cool. Yeah, and I know we, we mentioned at the outset, my name is Derek Black, um, and I have a friend of ours, Courtney. Um, Dukowitz. Yeah, thank you. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to It's be- been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, just wanted to have an opportunity to jump on and talk with you guys a little bit. I know you had reached out just seeing some of the, the, the feed that we have on our Choose Recovery page. And if people are tuning into this, uh, it's our Choose Recovery podcast, and we have people get on and share stories. And then we like to just be real, too, and just talk about uh, life and our faith and the brand itself and just all of that sort of stuff. We actually just finished doing an Instagram Live uh, with another friend of ours out in the Instagram world and talked about life and recovery in unexpected circumstances. And yeah. that was that was fun. We, we shared a little bit, each three of us, and I shared how uh, my family and I had an interesting uh, Dukes of Hazard uh, accident this weekend mm-hmm. flying off mm-hmm. literally down a ravine in our Suburban, and God protected us, and we're all okay. And so we just talked about some of that and how God protects us through every circumstance as we continue walking in recovery. And just so you guys know context as well, uh, for Robin Jolene, uh, my specific background, uh, my addiction was pornography that I found recovery and God uh, rescued me from that. Uh, and today, um, I'm married to my wife, Laura, with two boys, and we minister up in Alaska here, a pastor at a church. Um, and then also work on staff at a sober transitional living home ministry called Freedom House. Uh, and that's where we met Courtney 
uh, and just in her story of God setting her free from various things. Yeah, um, just real quick, I um, I grew up in Alaska, and I um, I got saved, um, and after God redeemed and freed me from being a slave of sex trafficking. And, um, so Derek and I, whenever we get together, it's kind of a beauty in it because God is using the, my sex trafficking, um, past his pornography past for something beautiful. And that is where my platform is. Um, I mean, as work goes, I'm in the healthcare field. Um, but my heart is, um, living in redemption and spreading hope to people that may be blinded by Satan and letting people know they can redeem themselves. Yeah. And so when we started, uh, my wife and I, I had this idea and she's been so supportive of helping start this company, Choose Recovery, uh, and, and Courtney and Brittany and others that have helped along the way uh, and still help, uh, have been amazing. And so we just want to empower people to share their stories and to rep awareness and hope that change and freedom is possible from any addiction, whatever that addiction is, whether it's a substance, whether it's sexual, whether it's a food gambling addiction, et cetera, uh, toxic relationships. There's so many different types of things. Yes. So, and you guys have a topic, don't you? Yeah. So let's, let's transition to you guys, Rob and Jolene, and have you guys share uh, what's on your heart, share your story a little bit. Uh, yeah. Just wanted to thank you first and grateful to be talking with you all today. Um, I just love the Choose Recovery idea, that name, that brand. It's such a beautiful uh, thing to say choose, right? As in the choice of it and the intention of it and that purposefulness for it. Yeah, Um, totally. It's a beautiful brand, a beautiful uh, combination of words. So my uh, background is... uh, a pornography addiction as well, and it is a. Uh, and we'll get into our story and it just how it affected our marriage, um, how it affected my life, and the beauty of finding that recovery and that healing. Um, we talk about that a lot when we're able to talk about our story as well. Um, um, not just healing for me, but also healing for Jolene um, as part of that um, path and that journey that we've been on. Yes. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Um, my story uh, is just, I think it's fairly typical. You know, you start uh, it, with a pornography addiction. It comes in subtly. It's uh, sneaky and uh, slowly builds up to uh, more use and more thoughts and more time. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a dentist. I trade now, um, but early on in my career, um, you know, going to school is when in my 20s, um, Jolie and I were dating at the time. Actually, we were, sorry, we, we had just gotten married. I was going to say, there were some things I didn't know. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were already married um, when when Rob's addiction started, and I, and I had no idea. So it was several years into our marriage and into his addiction that he came and told me that he was struggling with, with pornography. What made you go and talk to your wife about it? I had been trying myself, which is when I feel like the the addiction part really shows its face 
to you is when you try to stop, right? There's this big moment during that process where it's just something that you think, oh, I have this under control. Um, it's not a big deal. It's just something I do. It's not affecting anything, which is one of the lies of addiction, right? It's just this kind of a, a sneaky lie that stays with you that um, it's not affecting anything. And so when I had actually tried to stop, I really worked hard and on my own doing it. And I had gotten to a point and, um, where I felt like I had it under control again, in a sense. And so I felt like as part of, in a sense, a repentance, right, as a part of a renewal of myself, I felt, I felt like it was important to tell her, um, and that was about five years into our marriage, um, to be open with that with her. Um, and something that was interesting, and, and with addictions, they can have a lot of shame around them, right, a lot of guilt. Yeah, totally. And uh, so when I first told her, the conversation went like this. I said, I had a pornography addiction. I took care of it. I'm working on it. I don't want to talk about it again. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was not. A, it was not a very concerted conversation. It was, hey, I'm going to tell you something that you had no idea about. He told me he'd been secretly struggling with an addiction, and that's what he called it. He called it an addiction. Um, he said, "I've been addicted to pornography this whole time, our whole marriage, and." I'm handling it. I don't need help, and I don't want to talk about it. How did that and make yourself our, uh, feel? Local church leader, our, our pastor, our, our bishop that we call him, and um, working with him during that time, and um, and well, something that's interesting about the that part of our story when I told her is, for me, it was oh, this is the end of it. I don't want to talk about it. But for her, it was kind of the beginning of her struggle with it. Her effects with it, and it just kind of started. And I was trying to um, skip that part, I guess, or you know. Yeah, it's double-sided coin, there, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that part of the recovery is is just as valuable and just as important too. Is the the recovery of uh, the people that are around you as well, and working through that process um, as yeah. part of as part of the addiction. Yeah. Um, the, the you you have a really strong theme in your brand of and, and in this company of how God is part of that change. Um, mm-hmm. For me, uh, there was also an addiction to depression. I call it um, where it was kind of a driving factor. Uh, uh, pornography was kind of the distraction from all the the feelings that I had with depression, mm-hmm. um, and so it was a way for me to ignore. Um, that part of my life as well. And so really working in and facing that as well, because without the addiction, then all, and all that was left was, was dealing with the depression and facing the depression. Um, and, and it was actually through, um, through that process that brought me closer to God than I've ever felt before in my life. And I've done you know, years in church and teaching Sunday schools and uh, studying the Bible and the gospel. And it was actually through that process of changing who I was. And, and to me, that's kind of the essence of God and the gospel is change, right? Change in a forward direction that's always available to all of us. 
that's what God is always telling us. We can repent. We can move forward. We can change again. Every day we can wake up and start again fresh. Yes. But to really experience that in my own life, in not just teaching it and feeling it, and but to change who I was as a person um, was the closest that I've ever felt um, to God going through that process. And that's, that's the beauty of, you know, so many of these addictions, it just seems like our, our brain or our mind just tells us how awful we are and how horrible it is and how it's the end of our world. And yet when we allow God in and allow that change and go through that process of recovery and choose recovery, which I love the choice of that because it really is in those moments a choice forward. When we choose to allow God in and, and allow that change to occur in our life, you know, we do. We become new people and we, we feel closer to God. And so looking back, I would have never said this during the depression and during the addiction. But now looking back, I can just feel gratitude for that experience and gratitude for what it catalyzed within me to draw closer to a divine being and, and find God um, even within myself. And uh, that, that is the beauty of, of the darkness, right? That there's a sunrise. And the beauty of the night is that there's a morning. Yes, yes, that is so true. So what did the, the, the practical kind of uh, recovery and finding freedom um, with, with the, the element like you just talked about, uh, with God and everything and the things that you learned through that, that season of, of, of depression type stuff that, that God brought you through and taught you through it. But what were some of the practical things? Like, um, did you have counsel? Did you have any form of treatment? Did you just read books, you know, on your own? Like, what were some of the, those practical steps, you know, that, that you walked down that road to, to freedom? Um, and and um, that's a great question. Because everything that I tried to do that I thought I was supposed to do actually made it a lot worse. Hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, for example, reading my scriptures didn't help. It made it a lot worse. And like pushing to try to be a better person and trying to uh, go to church and trying to do all those things that like religiously were told to do and follow and you know, do this like checklist, um, we're actually adding on to my stress and anxiety and depression in a lot of ways, right? There was a lot of added on shame, added on guilt. And so part of the process for me is I did uh, speak with a therapist for uh, a, a few times, different times throughout the, the process. Um, and specifically with the depression, um, found a therapist that opened my eyes up to a different way of thinking about it. Um, I read some books that really focus in on your internal self, which was some of the most powerful learning that, that I went through, um, really focusing on what my internal state is, right? What, where my emotions are on a day-to-day, um, where my thoughts are on a day-to-day. And I found that um, even meditation and some mindfulness practices were very helpful for me and really moved me forward in applying the things that I was learning. 
which in my background and growing up and in my like Christian faith, some of that mindfulness and meditation may like be pushed back against, I guess. Yeah. In like a traditional. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I actually found that that was a doorway for me to really learn how to love myself, really learn how to accept my errors and my flaws. And as I say it now, that's like the same thing the gospel's trying to teach me. I just wasn't able to see it that way. Um, but opening myself and allowing to go into that internal pathway um, is really what brought me through that. Um, and what I found as I did that was it was drawing me so much closer to God and so much closer to His presence. And to the point where now that I've gone through it, I can look back and see how much God's hand was in each step, even though traditionally from my beliefs and how I grew up, it seemed like it was going against it in a, in a way. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it, but the, yeah, it totally, totally but, does. I think I'm, I think I'm tracking with you there and it's, uh, it, so what I'm hearing there is just, you know, having a, a way to really help those concepts and truths that you were learning and relearning kind of be be massaged into your into your thinking process more like to where it actually clicked it actually stuck you know um through some of the the steps that you took there and uh basically in a way uh it it, getting to the heart of the matter of what you were yeah the root of what you were believing you know about yourself from what it sounds like you know and and doing that that work um in uh in that way that helped you kind of make it click and i'm curious too and you you, go ahead rob oh i was saying absolutely there's that um source of any addiction the addiction really is just the symptom of an internal source that you know a lot of times it's it's um a belief about yourself or a feeling that you're holding on and a, a hate of yourself a shame a guilt that holds on that that addiction even tighter um and so kind of the process too as i went through is just learning to love that part of yourself accept that part of yourself that has the addiction and really take care of that part of yourself and work on those internal beliefs that you're holding on to of you know not good enough um a deep loneliness was something that really uh was kind of at the core of this addiction when i really got down into it um emotionally and and learning about that uh, and it wasn't just like a, a loneliness of, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm missing uh, being around people. No, it was like this bone-shaking loneliness that was deep in my soul that um, once I allowed myself to really accept that and, and face that, um, it really was the healing that took place um, after after getting after moving through that. Uh, so whenever you started on the in the healing journey and the healing process, did you was it a lot of work to mentally train yourself to not look at women um, in that way of de- like de- dehumanizing or like a, a sexual um, a fantasy or idolizing them? Like I mean, because you you know you may yeah. Be, yeah. So when I first was trying to do it on my own, in my own way, um, there's kind of the term in addiction circles of white-knuckling it, 
which kind of means you're just like gripping really tight and forcing yourself to do um, what you're supposed to do. Um, you're always struggling with, uh, you know, looking at inappropriate images or like trying to avoid it from your thoughts and you're just really forcing it to change. And when you're always fighting that, eventually there's a slip up, right? It's always kind of in the back of your head. It's always kind of there. And so in order to move past that phase of a recovery, you're not just white knuckling it so you can move into the, you know, a place where it's not even there. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a process of changing yourself. Yes. And when that internal change happens, when you are, when you really become a new person, those past desires, those past wants, those past needs go away. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. In a way, it's almost like a blurry dream. When I look back, it's kind of like, oh, that was like just a fact that happened. But there's none of this like strong emotion or desire or attachment with any of the the past memories, the past thoughts. And that took a, a whole shift of who I was. Um, oftentimes, I during the addiction, I would say, I wish this could just be taken away from me. I wish that it was gone. I wish that I could go back before I had the addiction. And that's one of the errors in our thinking when we're trying to recover is if God just came in and magically took it away, you're still the same person and you'll end up doing the same things and avoiding the same feelings. And then you'll end up back into maybe not that addiction, but a different one. Yeah. So just having it taken away or going back to the old person isn't the answer. It's not the solution. The solution is going forward into a whole new way of being, into a whole new person. I hope this isn't too, like, not practical for people, but (laughs) that's kind of the step forward of changing who you are. And the only way to do that is to go through the addiction in a sense of not doing it more, but going through the reasons that you have the addiction, accepting that the addiction is there, that it's not going to magically be taken away. And finding all of that that's going to come up when you really accept yourself and accept where you're at and then go through that process. The only way I found kind of my source or that big driving factor that I was avoiding with all the addiction was when I truly leaned in and said, this is where I'm at. I am this addict. I want to look at these things. I want this material in front of me. A part of me does. A part of me doesn't at all, right? A part of me is fighting it the whole way, but there's a part of me that does. And when I finally accepted that part of myself and moved into it, that's when you think it's the opposite. You think if you accept that part of yourself, it's all of a sudden going to take control and run your whole life. But you accept it, you all of a sudden learn to love it, and it's part of that loving yourself that your yourself kind of opens up and says, oh, there's something behind this. Now that I know you love me, now that I know you're going to take care of me, I'll show it to you. And then you can work on that aspect rather than just what you are avoiding in the addiction. So really, truly kind of getting to know your internal self, know who you are, and, you know, moving through that addiction was was the blessing. Was yeah. The way to, it was the change. Yeah, it's good. I, I don't know if that answers your question. 
question. It what does. I'm is, yeah, yeah. Before, with the addiction, I'd have to put up fences. I'd have to put up barriers. I'd have to put up everything. Being a new person at this point, someone can throw the material, throw it in my face, and I'll say, that's pornography. And it's just a fact. It's not something I need. It's not something that is. It's not something I have to go look at, and I can set it aside just as I would with any other fact that gets put in front of me that day. Um, because there is no internal driving force now that needs that. Right? I've worked on the source of it so that I could... That's such a beautiful, freeing feeling. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, no, it's good. I really resonate with that. Um, I, I've shared my story on the podcast before, and we'll probably still talk about it because it's a thing that's near and dear to my heart, but I really resonate with a lot of what you said there of doing that, that heart work. And then you get to that point, yeah, and it's like you just, that source, that internal source, that root is dealt with, and then you just don't have a desire for that anymore. Um, and it's not a cocky thing. It's not a prideful thing. Um, but it's just, it's, it's been, it, that's what freedom's all about. And it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm curious then, um, with, with your wife there, Jolene, just your journey through this and even to what you're doing today and all of that. Yeah. Um, how did, yeah, I was going to ask that also, I mean, just you being a woman on the flip side of the coin, like we spoke about earlier, how does, how did it affect you being a woman and this being your husband, um, your, uh, what you thought and felt about yourself and how you got through that? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so for me, like we said, when he came and told me that he had this addiction, for me, that was the very start of my journey, even though it was five years into his. So for me, one of my biggest Things, I felt like I had two main reactions. One was I was like, all right, we've totally got this. We can handle this, no problem. And then part of me really wanted to make it go away. I wanted to fix it. And I was like, okay, he's the one with the problem. Let's get him into counseling, therapy, 12 steps, whatever there is. Let's let him, let him do it, right? Because in my mind, I thought, okay, if he stops, then everything can go back to where it was. Right? Like he said, you know, we just wanted to go, I just wanted to go back. And it took me a long time to realize that I also needed to go forward. And a lot of that was facing all of the emotions that came up. So for me, um, the biggest thing was that I felt like I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. Like that was just the biggest question for me. Like what should I, what am I lacking that's making him reach to pornography? Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe I need to be sexier. Maybe I need to put out more. Maybe I need to lose weight and I need to change my hair. Like, what is it that I'm lacking? Why am I not enough? And I kind of had to do that same journey of healing that he went through. And I did that through life coaching is what I found is, you know, learning about our thoughts, processing emotions. And as I learned that, I was able to process what was at the root of you know, my struggle with his addiction was this belief that I wasn't good enough, that there was some part, something was wrong with me. Because if I were better, then he wouldn't go do this thing, right? So it really came down to me facing that and processing through my own route of worthlessness and becoming okay with it 
and accepting that and then moving forward. Again, we couldn't go back, even though that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And we had, I had to move forward and I had to face all of those emotions, all of those thoughts that came up with his addiction. I think trust, I think trust was something that... Oh, yeah, trust was huge <laughs> in that I didn't trust him at all. <laughs> but fought that but, I, but I did, I fought it for a long time. This is so fascinating, right? It's because you think that, you know, I, I thought, okay, you know, I do trust my husband, right? He's my husband. Obviously, I trust him. I married him. We've got a whole slew of children together. I trust this man. And yet, part of me really didn't. And I fought that for years because it felt so wrong for me to not trust my husband. Right? Yeah. But, you know, he should be I trust implicitly and that is, you know, no strings attached. But it wasn't until I said, you know what, I don't trust him. And it wasn't until I faced that and accepted that that then I could move past it. There are so many little things that come up when you have a spouse that's addicted to any any substance, but in my case, it was, in his case, it was pornography. There's so many things, emotions that come up that if you just try to resist or convince yourself you're not feeling, they just stay with you, yeah. right? You have to actually face them and work through them in order to move forward and become stronger. So that was... That was a big one for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Shame is such a spiraling stronghold. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, yeah. It could be fatal. Wow, you guys have Absolutely. the strength and the drive you had to get to keep going forward. I mean, wow, that is so beautiful. And the power of forgiveness on your end and the power of mm-hmm. forgiveness on his, his end to forgive himself. Wow, there's so much beauty in that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's where I really felt God the most in my journey of healing was in forgiving Rob. So that was, you know, I repented of my own, Missy, I'm not perfect, right? I I've, I've repented of my own failings throughout my life, but this was the first time that I felt like I really needed to forgive someone else for hurting me. And part of me, again, part of me, forgave him right away part of me was like okay it's all right you're not perfect I'm not perfect God forgives it's all good but part of me held on to a tiny little bit of hurt for a really long time mm-hmm. and it feels really good to be hurt as, as weird as it sounds because when you're hurt that means that someone else wronged you right that you're right they're wrong whatever they did was wrong and that's why you're hurting and so it feels really good to keep that with you because it solidifies your position. And so I was carrying around this little tiny piece of hurt for years. And it wasn't until I realized that and I let God have that. And I said, you know what? I don't need to be right. And I can give God this last little bit of hurt. And he completely took it. And so... I completely forgave Rob. It's 100%. I don't think about it. I don't stress about it. I don't fear. I don't worry about it because it's all gone. It's all completely in the past. You told me a thought while she was going through that process. She was like, no, I, actually, there's part of me that wants you to feel sorry and horrible every single day of your life. Oh, say sorry every yeah. single day of your life. <laughs> I did. I said, part of me that's a common yes. thought. <laughs> part of me was angry, and part of me said, you know, I just want you to apologize to me 
every day for the rest of our lives. Part of, part of me wants that because I want that, right? I want the right to feel angry. But obviously that's not God's plan. Yeah, I'm so glad you both got the redemption and freedom you both deserved and worked hard to get. Like you said earlier, we're human, we're fallible. Um, but you guys on this journey together, coming out hand in hand and freed of this is so beautiful. And you know, the porn industry, the supply, supply and demand, I can't tell you how demanding it is. It's a very dark, dark world, as we've all experienced. And, um, you know, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. And hopefully we can knock out the supply and demand one person at a time because it's killing people. Yeah, and it's beautiful, too. You know, you guys mentioned with your kids and stuff and with my two boys uh, just wanting to, to help protect them from this, you know, and shepherd their little hearts as they grow up to be able to handle this crazy world that they live in, in not a dysfunctional way, but in a way that, that walks in freedom without having to be drugged through the muck and the mire before they find that freedom. So that's so good you guys are doing what you're doing. They can see the transformation, hear the transformation uh, in your guys' story, literally. And you know through you helping others, Jolene as well, and you, Rob. So that's great. Yeah, I think that's just uh, kind of a big message we try to share is um, when you're in it, it doesn't feel like there's hope, but there's such a path forward for healing. And real, I love, like I said, that choose part of it. Um, when you really make that commitment to move forward, anybody can do it. It seems impossible while you're dealing with it. It seems improbable. It seems like it's not going to make it at the end of the day, but there's this hope and there is a hope. There's a hope of healing. And I wish that hope came from me and Jolene, but obviously that hope comes from Christ and from God. Absolutely. Um, in that process, there, but there is that hope, and it is there, and anybody can do it, which is also part of the hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're not, <laughs> no, we're, we're not. People, you know, and so anybody that is facing that addiction right now, facing maybe a spouse or a loved one with an addiction, um, just to know that there are steps and things to do and move forward and hope and just share that thought yeah i love um hearing you guys share that story together one of these days i'm gonna have to wrangle my wife to get her on and uh, she she hates she hates being recorded and being in pictures and all that so she's like behind the scenes of everything that's not seen or heard and that's where she likes to stay but i gotta bring her out sometime and, and uh see if i can get her to share because um, so thankful for her walking with me through all that. It's cool just to hear your guys' story. And then the other thing I was going to share too, uh, Jolene, this was probably like, I don't know, like a year or two ago. So I've been following Fight the New Drug for quite a, a long time. And I love their work and what, what they do. And somewhere along the line, I, I think you had hashtag something, uh, like I said, a year or two ago. And I'd, saw, I'd seen the, the post. And I have that same shirt, the red one, you know, Porn Kills Love. Um <laughs> And so I just remember, I remember that that uh, that picture stuck out like I, this looked familiar. And so then when you reached out, and I was like, wait a minute. And then it put two and two together. It's like the same same person from the from the you know they must have shared your image. I don't remember where I saw it and stuff. But it's just kind of cool seeing how how God connected us together here to to interview you guys and have you guys on the podcast and just hear your story. 
And and then the last thing I guess I wanted to say was uh, for your 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 page, Jolene. So you do like life coaching, right? For other women, is that so? You had that for you, and now you turn around and do that for others, right? Yeah. So one of the things that I, you know, for me, like I said, when Rob came and told me, my initial gut reaction was, okay, he's the one with the problem. Let's get him the help that he needs. And it took me years before I realized that I also was hurting, like as dumb as that sounds, I was convinced I was fine. And I had no idea who to talk to. And so my whole mission is, you know, I decided to become a life coach and now I'm a life coach for women who have a spouse addicted to pornography. And my whole goal is to be loud enough that every, every woman knows that that's what I do. Because it is something that is so secretive. Um, usually couples are fighting this very silently. You know, maybe there's a counselor involved, maybe there's a religious leader, but generally speaking, too, it's usually the man that's getting the help or the, the addict, whoever the addict is, and then, um, and then the woman is not. And so I, I just felt a responsibility to go help teach everything that I learned to help other women who are in the same situation. So that is what I do. I'm a life coach and that's, that's the page, the Instagram page that, that you saw. And I have been doing it for a while, but it is my Instagram is Jolene when coaching is my Instagram and all my, I don't, I don't, all my info is at Jolene is my website, but that's why you see me on fight the new drug is because this is what I've been pursuing and creating so that I can go find those that need healing and teach them everything that I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is a vicious battle. I mean, uh, pornography and, um, the pornography is so normalized and Mm -hmm. the, the detrimental, uh, fatality of it is, is brutal. It's life changing. It's destructive and it's deadly. And many, many, Mm -hmm. many that are stuck in it, sick in it, or have been, um, affected by it are blinded by it because it's so normalized. Hey, do you see uh, in your coaching of women that way? I mean, this is a women's issue too, you know. Do you end up pe- having people come to you, women that struggle with pornography, that you coach as well? Or how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't actually seen that yet. I have not been approached yet by women. I would certainly be happy to help them. Um, I probably, I, I mean, I would love to. The things that I, that I teach, they're all tools that can be applied to all of it. And it definitely is something that is a women's issue as well. And I think that that's important that, you know, really trying to change the conversation and have pornography not be normal, but also recognize that if you are struggling with it, it's okay to reach out and get help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And even anything you talked about your kids not wanting them to be exposed to it and have to go through that process, we've found a, a beauty in in releasing that shame and the guilt of the struggle of being able to talk with our, our children about, you know, what it is and if you see it, you know, what to do. And, yes. you know, it doesn't make you a bad person. And I think so many kids and it started at such a young age where they just didn't know what to do. It yeah, was a, totally. It was just a topic and, yeah. and, and shame and guilt all around it. And, and, and to, to not add more of that onto the, the conversation, but to actually, you know, be like, all right, we live in this world, you know, yes. you're going to see it. <laughs> and yeah. Like, when was the last time 
and have an open conversation and realize that you know it's, it doesn't make you a horrible person. Um, it's it, you know like Courtney's saying, it's a sad side effect of, of that industry that we're so exposed to it, uh, but not make it mean so much about the person. Um, and and so they can reach out when they are exposed to it when they don't know what to do. Exactly. And they don't have to stay stuck. Yeah, it's really good. Yep. Yeah, well, cool. Well, guys, I think uh, we'll wind down with that. Uh, any last things you guys wanted to share? No, just thank you. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you so your vision and your mission that you're doing with Choose Recovery. That's such a beautiful message. And um, just wish you all the best and to keep that voice loud and um, keep that moving forward. Yes, absolutely. Keep in touch. And if you guys um, are... Uh, connect with anybody that would like to share their story of redemption and recovery that choose recovery send them our way we'd be more than happy to do a podcast with them and get their story out there absolutely thank you guys so much this was so fun if you guys ever need anything please reach out yes if you're in north carolina ever stop by (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll definitely do that and if you guys ever make it up further north in the cruise uh up to alaska again same same thing here and uh, I just love uh, addiction is no respecter of persons, so we can really unite around this this common need that we have, and we have a con- common enemy, and darkness is out there trying to take people out, you know, and we're fighting against that with everything we got through the the power of God in us, and um, and there's there's a struggle, but I love how you guys said recovering out loud, you know, and doing this. Uh, the way you mentioned that, Jolene, doing it as loud as you can so uh, that every woman knows about it and that there's hope and help available. And that's exactly what we're trying to do as well through everything that we do. So uh, one of the reasons why one of our taglines is never give up. And it was a reminder for me uh, to never give up. And starting a company like this has been very challenging, very difficult. Uh, and there have been days where I just feel like throwing in the towel. But it's conversations like this, real lives. And the hope that's out there and change and transformation, it just makes it all worth it. And so keep moving forward. And thank you guys for what you do. And thanks for coming on the, the show today. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to wrap up. This is the Choose Recovery Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. And have an awesome rest of your day or evening or whatever time it is when you're tuning in. All right. Thanks, guys. Tune in on whichever podcast platform works best for you. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. We are Choose Recovery. That's choose, rcvry.com.